This is the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, because that's what we do. I'm JR. Hi, I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Mark. And once again, we're doing an episode with no Lee, because this time he's on his Christmas holidays. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. I know it's not Christmas here, but it's Christmas in Australia, and that's where he is. Really? No, I'm talking absolute rubbish. He's not Uh. on any kind of a holiday. He's still in a box (laughs) with Stephen Moffat. He likes the box, I think, more than Stephen Moffat. Mind you, Stephen Moffat doesn't really like the box. <laughs> Is it a blue box? <laughs> well, what are we talking about this week, guys? This week we're going to be talking DVDs. Yeah, we're just going to have a chat about DVDs because, let's face it, we all love the DVDs. We all we buy do. the DVDs. I don't think there's anybody listening to this podcast, probably, who doesn't at least own one Doctor Who DVD. And most of you will probably own most of them, let's be honest. So I just thought it'd be nice this week if we just have a chat about the DVDs, what we like, what we don't mm. like, what they do, the choices they make, the fact that we're getting close to the end of the classic series range, the mm-hmm. things they've done, the things they're still going to do. Yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, one thing in particular that interests me, because we are getting so close to the end, or two things in particular, and people who know me online will know this, are the restorations yeah. of the stories you know, the difficult stories, the stories that only existed in black and white that should have been in colour. And, of course, the animations of these stories that they're um, starting to do now. Yeah. I mean, should we talk about the animations first? Yeah. Uh, yes. Why not? Let's go for it, yeah. Because of, what was it, six years ago, the invasion. Yeah. I mean, do you know the story, Mark, of how the invasion animation came about? No, please, please tell. Okay, well... Crossgrove Hall, wasn't it? Yeah, but what happened was it wasn't done for the DVD. Oh, yeah, right. But neither realize, of you knew no, this. I didn't realise that. No. No. Oh well, okay. Maybe this will be news to some of you listening mm. as well. Then, see, the thing is, the invasion animation cost a whole lot more mm. than to entertain as it was then. BBC Worldwide, as they are now, would ever have been able to afford to actually animate those episodes. Right. What happened was just before the series came back, BBC I made Scream of the Shalker. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And at the time, BBC I had a certain amount of budget coming in Mm -hmm. from, you know, BBC Central or whatever. And they had already set aside budget for a follow-up to Scream of the Shulker, which, you know, was going to be a second animation, presumably with Richard E. Grant. But just before Scream of the Shulker actually made it to broadcast on, you know, on the website and on the BBC interactive service on the Mm -hmm. television... It was announced that Doctor Who was coming back to the television. So the second animation, or whatever it would have been, got nixed, but the budget was still there. Somebody said, what can we use this budget for? And I suppose they could have thrown it at something else. Mm. But somebody said, let's keep it to Doctor Who, and let's, because there are no telesnaps for these two episodes of The Invasion that are missing. Telesnaps being these photographs that were taken off screen Mm, back in the 60s which directors used to use on their profiles when they were looking for work and some of the directors kept them some of them didn't and some of them didn't have them in the first place the invasion the two episodes of that that were missing didn't have telesnaps so they picked that story deliberately because they had enough budget to cover cosgrove hall animating those two episodes and so the original plan was they were going to animate those two episodes and show that story on the BBC's interactive service. 
But I think they did it. They paid for the animation and then they got cold feet about showing it because it would have been eight episodes of a black and white Patrick Troughton story and all the, the animation would have been the sort of attractive factor to get people watching it. Mm. I think the fact that the two animated episodes were quite early in the story yeah, and then you'd have had a whole lot of black and white, yeah, fairly creaky, you know, with all due respect, but, you know fairly creaky relatively speaking Hmm. plus in between the two animated episodes you'd also have had another two weeks of relatively creaky black and white so they got cold feet and didn't go ahead with it but by that time the animation was paid for and presumably done or Hmm. very close to being done so basically they offered to entertain the opportunity to put that story out with those two animated episodes for free wow so well yeah my poor long-suffering wife, she ends up having to watch a lot of old Doctor Who because I tend to be a bit obsessive about it. And uh, <laughs> it is one of the ones that she'll sit down and watch. And she loves the animation. That's one of the things yeah, she really loves yeah, about it. Yeah, I really it. like it. Mm. I think they... And I love it. I love the fact that they've done it. I love the fact that it exists. And mm. I love the fact that you can sit down and watch all episodes, all eight episodes of The Invasion, yeah. even though they're not all eight episodes as they were originally transmitted. But mm. you can sit down and watch them. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. And then they've yeah. done a great job with Patrick Trouton's face. The yes. animation is amazing on it. The eyebrows <laughs> yeah. and everything. It's really good. But the, the, the other thing about it is, and I, I've said this often enough, is, you know, about the recons. Yes. yes. Where they've taken the telesnaps and mm-hmm. sort of tried to make, it's sort of very basic, yeah, animated, but at least yeah. in some respects, so that you can watch the stories mm. rather than just having to listen to them on audio. Because yeah. I have a problem with listening to these things just on audio alone. I mean, for me, Doctor Who is a television series, and mm. I prefer to think of it and experience it as television. And I've always struggled with just the audio. They've tried to have sort of linking narration, haven't they, by yeah. cast members? But also, my problem has been, and you two know this, mm. but the listeners won't, is that up until like a week or so ago, I didn't have an MP3 player. So it wasn't like I could listen to them on the way to work. Welcome so maybe to the I'll... 21st century. I know. <laughs> well, maybe now I'll start getting into listening to the audios more. Yeah, maybe, no, but... they're, they're, some of them are good, but I, I do agree, I think. Um... And Big Finish, I'll be coming for you too. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> I love Big Finish. But Big going shot, back Big to what finish. I was saying, the recons. Yeah. My problem with the recons has always been that they try to get you as close to possible as possible to how it looked. Yeah. But they can't give you anything of how it felt. Mm, And I find they take you out of the story because a larger part of your conscious brain is trying to make the connections with how it is that you're experiencing it and how it was that you were supposed to be experiencing it. So you're not really following the story. the animations work so well. Yeah, Mm. because the the animations are at such a distance from what the original thing was Mm. that you can just immerse yourself in the story without always thinking, I wonder what that actor was doing. Mm. Or I wonder if he would have actually walked across there, there, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's what I like about the animations. They're at a remove from the original but in such a way that you can enjoy both the original and the new version equally without them acting against each other. And one of the things I particularly love, especially about the classic series DVDs, is they put a lot of effort into trying to get some really interesting additional content onto those discs. Yeah. I mean, they obviously go to great lengths to restore some of the older trust episodes. you to go bouncing off into a new topic already mark i was <laughs> about to I'm bring up the reign of terror <laughs> uh, i mean talking about animations i was going to bring it no, around to reign of okay. terror and yeah so i mean thetamation or actually theta sigma's the name of the company mm. and thetamation is the name of the process they're using that's yes. what they've called it mm. and isn't it linked with big finish as well or am i imagining yeah that? no um i think the way it's financed is that BBC Worldwide pay Big Finish yeah. to contract out to Theta Sigma the actual work or something like that because obviously Big Finish are not just licensed from the BBC now but they actually distribute stuff for the BBC as well. So yeah. obviously they've been brought into the corporation a lot more significantly than they previously were. Sure. And this is probably in some ways, a part of that kind of whole process, that Mm, whole deal. mm. But the nice thing about it is that they're starting with the Reign of Terror rather than the Ice Warriors or the Tenth Planet, which Mm. are the obvious choices. Yeah, you'd think they'd go for a monster one straight away, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. I think yeah. there are reasons for it. Yeah. I mean, there are obviously reasons for it. But yeah. I, what I mean is I think I know what the reasons for it are. I think I can... But it's just nice because actually The Reign of Terror is by far my favourite of those three stories anyway. All oh, right, yeah. And I mean, you know, the fact that they signalled by announcing Reign of Terror first... They basically signal that they were going to do all three. Because you know, there's, there's no way they were going to do that no, first one and not do the no, other two. No. So the six, in the six years since the invasion, or the five years before it was that they started, mm. they'd obviously spent a lot of time and devoted a lot of energy to trying to find ways to get around these stories with missing episodes. Mm-hmm. And for, um, I think we're really lucky, actually, that they've actually found a way to do it before they get the end of the DVD range. Yeah. Because basically the DVD range is going to end in, roughly speaking, about 12 months' time. Mm -hmm. And if they'd have got there and not managed to find a way to animate these three stories to afford the animation for it, I don't know that it would have happened, to be honest. You don't think there'd be enough sort of fan uh, demand for it? Not that so much, but the, the DVD range as it stands has an executive producer, Dan Hall, who's in charge of content Mm -hmm. and in charge of essentially choosing what they release, when, and with what value-added content. Mm. The VAM, as they call it. They obviously have to material. work to a budget as well. Yeah, absolutely. And he's the guy who has to sort these things out. Mm. But when the DVD range gets to an end, he's obviously not going to be in that job anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, there may have been the desire from the fans to see these stories animated, mm. but there wouldn't have been somebody working at BBC Worldwide whose job it was to figure out whether it could be afforded. So I don't know that it would have happened. I suspect it perhaps wouldn't. Certainly not in the near to mid distant future. I mean, I'm, you know, I hope that one day we'll see all these stories, all 106 missing episodes animated. But, that would be great. <laughs> but you know, we are talking maybe 30 or 40 That's a years. A lot in the of work. Well, yeah. you never know. You never know. Well, I think now that they've got the process started. Well, yeah, there's so much animation software. I mean, if you look at any any of the cartoon channels, I think pretty much all the all the modern cartoons are all done with cart. You know, even if it even if it's made to look like traditional animation, they're all done on computer now. So, and you look at yeah, the, way, I think the software process is speeding up yeah. so fast now. Well, it's a matter of choices as well. I mean, Dan Hall, bless him for doing this, but I think his choice is to use more expensive, more traditional animation. Whereas I think, and I hope, and I know I certainly would, I'd settle for cheaper animation just to get the episodes done. Mm. Mm. I don't think he would. So possibly when he moves on, now that the process of animating these stories is started, Mm. somebody else will come in Mm. and say, hang on, we're onto a winner here. I think if you look at the way this stuff works as well, the software year upon year gets cheaper and cheaper. So it makes it easier and easier for these guys to go out and and have a go at it. And I think that's... But what I'm saying is, if hmm. they hadn't started this process by getting these three stories done... It may not have happened. You know, yeah, because you need to kickstart it somewhere and you need to get it started before the range comes to an end. Kudos to Dan Hall for that. There's a a guy that's working for Theta Sigma now, isn't there, who did a manga. Did you see the Doctor Who manga that he did? On tiniest... I've seen it. It's, it's pretty it impressive. Yeah. yeah, I think it's been taken offline now, hasn't it? Because he's under contract. I don't know. Yeah, all the guys who started working on Theta Sigma's animation for the Reign of Terror mm. were told to take anything else that they'd done under the Doctor Who yeah. name off YouTube and wherever. Shame, yeah. So they all came down. Cool. It yeah. was amazing. Mm. Yeah, really. But good. it bodes well for absolute what's coming. work of love. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the great thing about all this. Yeah. Doctor Who has so much love amongst yeah. creative people yeah. because the Doctor Who being the kind of program it is breeds creativity mm-hmm. that, that you are going to find people who will put in that extra 10 percent yeah and get things done to a budget that you'd never have dreamed of i mean and it's slightly off topic here but the ian levine animations i mean they've been getting a lot of attention and yeah. i mean david bush the guy who did the mission to the unknown i mean i can't say what the figures were mm. certainly not live on air but i mean he did that for a fraction of what a tiniest fraction of what the invasion cost mm. say for instance and he did it for love he didn't yeah. do it for the money he didn't make a penny out of it but uh, you had a piece in starburst about Charlie, yeah i you? mean yeah. you can go online on starburst.com starburstmagazine.com and hunt through the features or else just google uh starburst mission to the unknown and you find the article about it mm. and if while you're there you can look for the shard stuff as well 
Mm. And if you're interested in that stuff, I don't think we should talk about it too much on this podcast mm. because we're getting off the topic, perhaps. But if you want to read about the, the these animations that were done unofficially and in the end haven't been used mm. by BBC Worldwide and won't be turning up on DVD, there's a lot of stuff out there on that. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, we talked about the animations a bit and mm. the fact that hopefully... It's a process that'll go forward. I say, yeah, just so. just briefly. Go on. Quick, right. quick opinion on uh, what were the two animations called? The Quest. No. Oh, Inf- the Infinite Quest. Uh, Infinite Dreamland. Quest and Dreamland. Yeah. Any I, opinions? A lot of people hated Dreamland and quite liked the Infinite Quest. But that's I was me. Com- <laughs> really? Yeah. I was completely the other way around. Yeah. I, like, I couldn't. I thought Dreamland just looked like some awful intro to some video game from about twenty <laughs> years ago. Just, just really, I, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was pretty. The animation itself was pretty poor. I quite like. It looked the landscapes looked stunning, but you didn't like the animation, the the character animation. Just, I quite like the quirkiness of it. I like the look of it. I quite enjoyed, and the story as well. I quite like the quirkiness of the story. Mm. I mean, a lot of people pointed out factors and um, things in it that didn't make any sense, but I just. I just thought the Infinite Quest tried to stretch itself too far in story terms. Right. And because, as we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the Keys of Marinus, mm. it sort of bit off a bit of that quest thing, mm. but mm. didn't perhaps give you long enough in each in each of the segments. And I think perhaps also the fact that it was written in four-minute episodes. Mm. Yeah. I didn't think it stitched together too well. No. It looked lovely, though, I thought. Yeah. Considering it was flash animation, I thought it was lovely. But Whereas I think Dreamland looks and moves and I think it's just so, <laughs> I think it's just so shocking. Yeah. Mm. I think it's just so bizarre and so yeah. shocking. That's yeah. what I like about it. It's so completely not what you'd expect. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I really enjoyed it. Oh. I've not rewatched it back. So, you know, I can't say whether it's lived very well, but I really enjoyed it when I first saw it. No, I just thought they all moved around like Thunderbirds puppets. But, <laughs> yeah, but I quite liked get, that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe they should have played on that. Yeah, maybe they should have. I like in a, in the, the same way as South Park plays on the fact that they're just really dirt cheap. Yeah, animated. yeah. <laughs> and it works because they they you know embrace it. Yeah, yeah. they go with it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they did, what did what did you think of Dreamland then, Mark? I must admit, I I kind of watched them, but I didn't have that much enthusiasm for watching. Yeah, they they were good for what they were. Um, it kind of, especially Dreamland, I think it kind of went for that. Am I right in saying it's kind of cell shaded kind of mm. style of? I just, it just felt half baked to me. It mm. just felt it felt it looked lovely, and it looked like it spent a lot of time on the design and what have you. And mm. then they hadn't spent any time on the animation itself about how people moved. I mean, mm. the helicopters moved around and lovely, and everything moved. Yeah, it was just just, just the lacking characters. that certain something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I was planning to do an episode in a couple of months' time on the animations. Well, <laughs> and we've kind of stomped Don't. all over that one, haven't we? <laughs> Never mind. That's what happens know. when you talk about Doctor yeah, Who. You get off topic do. and you yeah. start talking Re-watch about something it and watch it with fresh eyes. That's what we do. Maybe. We go off topic a lot as well. Hey, that's, that's part of the fun. Uh, that's you know, when on the DVD commentaries, when there's a moderator, or even when there's just somebody who's kind mm. of senior member of the personnel, mm. and then somebody start talking about something and just chatting. Usually, Tom Baker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I think this is on the Peter Davison ones. I think he does mm. it quite a lot. He certainly used to. And somebody will just start chatting about something completely peripheral, and all of a sudden the conversation gets interesting. And all mm. of a sudden, mm. Peter yeah. Davison says, "I'm sorry, you're going a bit too far off topic there." And you're thinking, "No." I want to Don't hear the end of the story. Them. Yeah. Don't yeah. stop them talking. Yeah. No, yeah. No. There are so many commentaries where they're finding it hard to find things to say. City of Death commentary has got to be the worst. Mm. It's silence mm. for most of that, I think. Tom Baker, I find on commentaries, is either astounding or just it's almost like he's phoning it in. He just sits there and chuckles every <laughs> Do you know now what and I mean? again. <laughs> Especially on the early ones, I think. Yeah. Or some of the early ones, not all of them. I think probably the one, one of the most sort of laugh out loud, entertaining ones has got to be uh, on the Key to Time box set. The Power of Crawl. Power of Crawl, him yeah. and John Lisa. That, the, if you don't, even if you don't like the Power of Crawl, just mm. watch it with the commentary mm. with Tom Baker and John Lisa on. <laughs> when it's he's great, on four, though. it's great. The great thing about it is it's just two blokes. Mm. 
Because sometimes they get so many people on the commentaries that mm. everybody either shuts up to let the others talk and then never ends up getting into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Or else they're talking all over each other and nobody gets the time to make a well, point. You know, you, you wonder whether they should have two separate commentaries, one with kind of production staff and what have you. Yeah. And, one with the and, actors. and one with the actors. Yeah, maybe. But uh, the the... And I said this again a couple of weeks ago. It was the Robots of Death DVD that kind of got me yes. back into Doctor yeah. Who. And the thing on the Robots of Death DVD that got me back into Doctor Who was the commentary track. Yeah. Because I hadn't been in the habit. I mean, this was back in the year 2000 anyway. Yeah. So this was when DVD was still fresh. I'd only mm. had a DVD player for about a year or a year and a half. Yeah. So I hadn't been in the habit of watching things with the commentaries on. But I watched the commentary on that and it was just Philip Hinchcliffe and Chris Boucher. Yeah. And they're just two guys watching the story, having a chat mm. about not just the story and the production of it, but about what else was going on in Doctor Who at There's that time. There's a social aspect to it, isn't there? Yeah. You know, it's like you're sitting in the room watching the telly with someone. You know, it's just, Exactly. Yeah. And you're sort of like, you know, eavesdropping on a personal reminiscing conversation yeah, yeah. between mm. people who are making it. There's some great stories, even if it's not the best necessarily the best episode ever on the two doctors on the commentary on that you've got Jacqueline Pierce oh yeah and yeah. uh Colin and I forget who else is on there but they come out with I think some... Fraser Hines is on that yes one, that's yeah. right yeah and they come out with some great anecdotes about staying in the hotel which yeah yeah and we possibly can't was necessarily... it turned up, something turned up a couple of days late they had a couple of days yeah, off that they weren't yeah, supposed to have had yeah it's yeah they're they're very entertaining on the whole. There's one or two. No, I, th I find most of the commentaries, um, I've and I have to admit that for the last couple of years, I've not had the time to listen to them mm. like I used to, but I used to listen to every single commentary. Yeah. And I always find something in there to enjoy. Always. Mm. Yeah. On a similar sort of tangent, I quite like the infotext as well. I quite like having that on. You see these little snippets of. I used to try and watch the infotext, the same viewing oh, as the no. commentary, <laughs> and that's do impossible. You listen, it, yeah. I find myself rewinding yeah. so many times. Yeah. Then it just throws you, doesn't it? So then I go into the habit of watching the infotext and the yeah. story, and then watching the commentary <laughs> later. <laughs> Funny enough, watching Keys of Marinus for the uh, the other podcast we did the other day. Mm. Um, uh, the bits where the infotext tells you, oh, this is, we computer generated this little bit to cover over where the film was broken. Yeah. And there's a really creepy bit. You know the bit where um, oh, she's waking up from, they're, they're in the place where, you know, they've all been mesmerized into thinking that it's all. More photon, isn't that called? I think. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Barbara has <laughs> just woken up and it's all filmed from her viewpoint. Yeah. And then the bad guy comes in, doesn't he, from from behind, and they and the little info text comes up and says, "We computer generated this little section to cover up a blip in the film," mm. and it's really spooky because this guy's head hovers. <laughs> 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 he he walks from the background, and they've taken they've cut out his head from another part of the film and placed it there, and it's kind of it's just really odd. Anyway, oh. would you if have you, even if you noticed watched... that if you didn't watch it with the info text? Absolutely not, absolutely no. not. But I watch it, and it's just. It's a bit creepy because his face just stays the same and then all of a sudden comes to life when he gets close enough to <laughs> There was on the VHS of the Web of Fear and the Faceless Ones, the Faceless Ones had a couple of um, shots where there were a few frames missing. Yeah. And so the way they covered that up was showing a reaction shot from one of the actors who was listening to the dialogue that actually you should have seen the actor speaking. Right. But that they'd taken from like a couple of minutes earlier or a couple right. of minutes yeah, later kind of in the episode. In, yeah. But to disguise the fact that they were using a shot that they'd taken from elsewhere in the episode, what they did was they zoomed right in on it so right. that you saw it kind of in the frame a different way. Yes. So instead Ken of Burns having a it, head yeah. and shoulders and down the torso <laughs> shot of an actor, yeah. you just had literally his head down as far right, as his yeah. neck. Right. So you're watching the faceless ones and all of a sudden you just suddenly get to this really zoomed in and therefore completely different quality to the rest of the video <laughs> shot of this actor's face blown up right to Which full is, screen. When you yeah. think about the story's name, is quite ironic. Really. Well, yeah. yeah. But, but it's, <laughs> if you don't know that it's coming... Perhaps yeah. you wouldn't have noticed yeah. it. No, no. But it's so obvious. And they're not afraid to kind of pipe up with that. And if you keep watching in just one yeah, moment, you see yeah. the boom mic appear or that the was camera bumps oh, yeah. well, into Another one of the Keys or... of Marinus. It was yeah. where William Hartnell went off 
off frame and they mm. said if you look carefully at the right hand side you can just see William <laughs> William Russell's foot come in for the next scene right and yet yeah. they're supposed to be on completely opposite oh, sides of this Dalek in the chase classic <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the boom mic in City of Death. Mm. I'd never seen that. Yeah. I've watched that story so many times. Oh, I'd never you, seen the boom mic until I watched it. If you're going to talk about those, you've got to talk about Pyramids of Mars. Oh, the hand. Yeah, yeah. that's a classic moment. Oh, yeah. The bit where Sutek stands up and the hand that's holding down the cushion so it doesn't come up off the chair with uh, with his bum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And can I digress slightly? Because we're talking Pyramids of Mars. Go on. One of my favourite extra features on the classic series ones is Oh Mummy. I think that's a fantastic oh, really? fan-made film. I really love it. I, lo- I know the two guys who made that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I don't know them. How, you know, I don't live anywhere near them. No, I mean, no, I know you... them, but I, I know them, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love great that. guys, great. both of them, Matt West and um, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know them really well, there, uh, Rob Hammond. <laughs> of Rob course, Hammond. you were just playing along there, oh. weren't you? <laughs> no, have you seen it, Simon? I have, but a long, oh. a long time ago. I think it's one of love the first it. DVDs I, I bought. I bring you Sutek's gift of milk. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> it's classic. But yeah. then they made another one for City of Death. Funnily enough, mm. and everybody hated yeah. that. Yeah. I they hate that themselves, actually, funnily mm, enough. But really? Yeah, but I didn't really... I Qualitatively, I, it was okay. I didn't really see a great deal of difference between the two. Yeah. Mm, mm. Anyway, they pu- they're publishers. They publish right. books now. Ah, right, okay. Milk publishing, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> but that's milk with a W instead of an L. Milk. Ah, milk. I, yeah. I can appreciate that. Not that we're here to advertise. No, of course thing, not. But, that's you know. milk publishedly. Publishing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't speak properly now. I can't even say publishing. Alone. Milk publishing. Publishing, yeah. <laughs> I've, gone all, I've gone all one from Terence there, haven't I? Uh, speaking of Terence which, he's a familiar figure on the DVDs. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things... That Terence Diggs always does. Every commentary track, he tells the same stories. He always does. <laughs> Which some people have moaned about as being a little bit predictable, a little bit dull. Oh, but I love Terence Diggs. I think he's great. But for my money, if you're going to have him on the commentary track, you've got to bear in mind that not everybody listens to all the commentary tracks. Mm. Not everybody buys no, all the DVDs. And somebody might be picking up a DVD and listening to a commentary track mm. for the first time ever. Yeah. And so well, if... I, I often wonder that. I will often think with the celebrities when they do all these, um, you know, all the conventions and what have you, then they're going to come out with the same stuff. Yeah, over yeah over because again. they've and, only got so many stories um, to yeah. tell. Yeah. If you're paying them yeah, to all tell credit those stories, to them, all credit to them, I, I think I'd be fed up with telling the same stories all the time, but they just keep going, don't they? Well, I met Fraser Hines at a signing a couple of years ago, maybe. Mm. And, you know, I sat down. And I, don't, I didn't really want the signature because I don't collect signatures. But I just, Fraser Hines is one of my favourite companions. And mm. I don't normally go and do the whole mm, wanting to meet your, but he, he mm. happened to be somewhere very nearby. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. Mm. <laughs> and I, well, I sort of went there, went into the shop and it was quiet. And I sat down and he started on his patter. Right. And it's obviously, you know, what these actors need to do to get mm. through conventions and to get through the meets and greets and what have you. Yeah, yeah. They sort of go into a patter and they start doing the same stories and the same, you know, he's he's talking in his patter voice. And it's not Fraser Hines that is talking to me. It is Fraser Hines. Yeah. Inverted in comments. inverted commas. Yeah. So, I mean, what what I did was I stopped him in his tracks by mid-sentence asking him in a question that was completely unrelated to what he was totally saying. Script. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that would, took him so far out, he had to leave the pattern behind. Yeah, And then actually, because there was nobody in there, for about 10 minutes, we just chatted as mm. two human beings, and oh, it was great. Lovely, yeah. He always but comes across I'm, as a really nice guy. But the reason I brought that up is because, you know, when Terrence Dix is on the commentaries doing his stories, yeah. he's doing the Terrence Dix pattern. Yeah, and the same thing that and, they'll do yeah. at the... Yeah, and what would... Yeah, maybe what would be nice would mm. be if somebody stopped him and said, hey, Terence, why not let's just do something different this yeah. time, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, the the other thing I was going to bring up that mm. I mentioned earlier was the, you know, the restorations of the John Pertwee stories primarily, yeah. the ones that have not been kept in the best condition, shall we say. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stories that were broadcast in colour, although... To be honest, back in the early 70s, so few people had colour televisions that yeah. 
these DVDs are going to be the first time most people have yeah. actually seen them in yeah, colour. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, they've really struggled with some of these because they destroyed a lot of the John Perdries yeah. and these copies are, you know... They did a great job on Planet of the Daleks. They did. And the restoration. Well, they did a fantastic job on Planet of the Daleks because they managed to find a bit of extra budget, essentially, yeah. to get a professional job done on that. And... Well, this is a story as well. You mm. probably know it, Mark. You might not, Simon. What's that? that well, Planet what, of the Daleks. Well, the recolouring, you mean? Yeah, but do you know how and why it came about? Yeah, they had some pretty bad film colour copies, didn't they? So they, they No, not Planet no, of the no. Daleks. Didn't they? No, this one's a completely different no. story. Oh, right, go on then. Yeah, but most of the stories, they've got a black and white film print, yeah. which yeah, gives really you a nice picture, story, but it's yeah. black and white. Mm. And they've got a colour copy from like a Betamax tape that somebody made off the telly in America. So they have to marry the colour from the yeah, American yeah. one to the picture from the black. No, Planet of the Daleks, they didn't have any colour copy of that mm. at all. Oh. So they sent it off to a company in America to colour it by hand, thinking that's the only way. And they had the budget to do that for just that one episode for that one story. Yeah, don't they go by grey shades or something like that? And they tell, right, that shades well, this colour. And... Yeah, that's what I was coming to. Yeah. While it was off in America being coloured by mm. hand, they discovered this process. They've called it chroma dot recovery. That's right. Yeah. Where the black and white on the film print has memorised what the colours originally were and yeah, they can get right. them back out of it. They can go right into the detail and see what the essentially the red, green and blue dots yeah. are doing. Yeah, that's right. Very so, clever. But, uh, but what they were able to do then with Planet of the Daleks was take the hand-coloured one, right, which was coloured because this chroma dot recovery, it gives you the colours, but mm. it gives you like a very fudgy picture. Yeah. Mm. And it won't always tell you exactly all the colours and it'll come up with all sorts of anomalies. Mm. Mm. But with Planet of the Daleks, they were able to take the hand-coloured one, essentially, computer-coloured, but, you know, yeah. from America, put it together with the Chroma Dot recovery version and come up with a... Pretty decent well, result. Well, yeah. a result of the third episode that actually looked better than the other five episodes, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. Brilliant. Well, that's seen... the, only, the only story that looks that good. Yeah, I was going to say, have you seen The Invasion of the Dinosaurs? Yeah. That, I mean, it's they've a bit done disappointing, what they can, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, it doesn't. If they'd have had the money or the time or the mm. wherewithal or maybe the tangential thinking, because with Mind of Evil now, they've got Babel color coloring it in mm. by hand. Because mm. Mind of Evil episode one is the only episode that doesn't have any chroma dots on it. Oh, right, right. So at one point, it looked like Mind of Evil might be coming out with five color episodes and a black and white one. Yeah. Mm. So and this has been talked about in fan circles for years. This guy Babel Color yeah, does yeah. hand coloring of like old black and white stories Pretty just to see what. Job as well, yeah. yeah, he's no, he's brilliant, mm, absolutely good, yeah. brilliant. And you know the other stuff he does is brilliant as well. Mm. And I say that in full knowledge that he was the very first person who wrote an essay for my You and Who book. Plug. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's brilliant. And for fans have been talking for ages saying on the forums, why don't you just get Babel Colour to colour these stories? Mm. Well, I mean, it's going to take him months to do just one episode of The Mind yeah. of Evil, so that wouldn't have been realistic anyway. Mm. But, you know, it's nice that they have turned around and said, this is the one episode that we wouldn't be able to do anything with, so let's give it to Babel Colour yeah. and let him do it. Mm. So now we are going to have that colour first episode of... I mean, none of this is confirmed because obviously they're still struggling with this chroma dot recovery mm, and mm. Invasion of the Dinosaurs Part 1 proves that it's an yeah. imperfect process and yeah. there's not always going to be the budget to finish it off. No. But, I mean, to all intents and purposes, we are now expecting to have all the episodes that should have been in colour in colour. Mm. And that's brilliant because two years ago we couldn't have expected that. Also, while we're on the subject of restoration, I think Vidfire is definitely in need of talking about. I think it's a such a great idea that they've been able to come up with this. Essentially, is computer software, is that right? Are well, they? yeah. Mm. Well, because video is a 50 frame per second thing, yes. whereas film is a 25 frame per second yeah. thing. Tw film captures 25 photographs. Mm -hmm. where, and I'm in absolute layman's terms, because I don't know the ins and outs of this yeah the film essentially captures 25 photographs mm -hmm. whereas video captures 25 photographs and in between those 25 photographs are 25 essentially motion frames yeah which make the movement a lot more liquid yeah, yeah. and when they destroyed the stories from the 60s what they were often left with were film prints they'd made yeah 
which of course didn't have that video look because they were only 25 frames per second. Mm. So what they've done is they've come up with some software that puts those motion frames back in. Mm. So now you can get the video feel They back. look great. They do. There's a real weird dichotomy here mm. between the fact that we've grown up with these on film prints yeah. and on film, 1960s Doctor Who looks like, you know, the spooky old Universal yeah, movies from yeah. the 1930s. And actually, that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but it's not that. right. Mm. And what they've done is they've tried to go back to the as-transmitted versions. Yeah, yeah. And those look nice yeah. in their own way. Yeah. You know, you like them both. In, my, in the perfect world, yeah. each of those discs would have the film version yeah. and the they're video quite, version. They're quite evocative, those. Yeah. Mm. Well, I've now that they've reissued Tomb of the Cybermen vid-fired, yeah. I've kept my old yeah, so you film can... version of Tomb yeah. of the Cybermen mm. just because I like yeah. it so much. Yeah. And I mean, there's some other stories that I wish they'd put out, maybe just an episode mm. as an example mm. of what it looked like before yeah. it was vid But no, vid-fire is brilliant. And the fact that they can do it and they do yeah. do it, it's fantastic mm. because as broadcast is how the DVD should be. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Of course, one thing they do is they lose the outside of the frame. Oh, right. Not through the vidfire process, mm. but because of the process of filming from the videotape in the first place. Right. Because when you film, you don't yeah. film right up to the edge of the frame, mm. partly because part of the edge of the frame is always going to be hidden. Yeah. But partly because it's slightly zoomed in because you're pointing a camera and monitor. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think the most obvious example of this I've ever seen is Dalek Invasion of Earth, right. and especially the first episode. If you watch the first episode of Dalek Invasion of Earth, there are always things disappearing off the frame that shouldn't be, mm. you know, the top of actors' heads and things right. like that. Mm. I found that very noticeable with that one. Yeah. Uh, well, we're on the subject of Dalek Invasion of Earth. What about where they had these new CGI effects? Because mm. I thought that was I thought I quite liked the Dark Invasion of Earth. It's that well, one. That's great, yeah. Because yeah. that's because um, Dalek Invasion of Earth anyway has a kind of sort of fifties B movie feel. Yeah. yeah. So they put some fifties B movie effects in it. Yeah. yeah. And it just sort of they do look great. enhances it's that. It's Mars yeah. attacks, doesn't it? Is yeah. It? <laughs> yes, exactly. Because that's yes. what Mars attacks was evoking, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah, that works brilliantly. Mm. I think we we briefly touched on this before. We didn't talked we? about, we were talking Day about of the Daleks, yeah, didn't that's we? it. Which yeah, we kind of had a slight difference of opinion on that. Well, I don't think they always um, tally up to mm. what they're, not just what they were capable of when they were making them in the first place. Because these CGI effects, I mean, they're not just supposed to improve upon, but they also have to be sympathetic to the yeah, original yeah. No, material. I yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they always are. No. No. So uh, they're not always successful. But having said that, I think the option to watch them is nice. Mm. And I always will watch them. Mm. Mm. Just even if, well, if it's just... made the effort to do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and even mm. if just out of curiosity. Mm. And sometimes they certainly do improve. But I find with most of the stories, for every effect that improves on something, there's another one that doesn't. Detracts from it, yeah. Yeah, the Time Warrior is a great example. Mm. There's some really good and oh, yeah, fairly yeah. subtle effects mm. earlier on that are fairly sympathetic to the material. Yeah. And then at the end, there's the explosion, mm. which... Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do with cheap CGI because they don't have a lot of budget to spend on these things. Yeah, poor old Matt Irvin. He gets, <laughs> he gets <laughs> in the neck all the time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Ark in Space. I think that was that's one of the earliest CGI yes, ones. that's though. right. Yeah, yeah, they do some of these sort of shots of the space station, don't they? But they and kind of look... They've kind of dated in their own way now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, there is that. Obviously, the nice thing is you can choose to watch as originally transmitted or with the CG, so at least they'll yeah, give yeah. you the option, which is good. They always include the original version. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. that's just ten times out of, nine times out of ten, I'll always watch the original. Speaking anyway. of the Ark in Space, though, that's one of the popular choices of stories that haven't yet been revisited that people want to be revisited. Mm -hmm. I mean, these revisitations... They, some people complain about them. Some people don't like the fact that they're having to buy stories again. That they can already be a bit of a, a mixed bunch. Some of the I've got the second one, the second the, set, yeah, because there've been three sets of threes. Yeah, so I've, I've had the first set delivered the other day. Hmm. I haven't had a chance. The to first set's brilliant. Yeah, great extra features. Yeah, I've got the first two. Ah, uh, right, yeah. First set's brilliant. Mm. Great extra features. Proper proper documentaries on there. Yeah. And then the second set is almost like a, it's almost like a interim set, like mm. a 
place taker while we wait for the Is that the, the one with three set. doctors on it? Because I think no, that's the that's third, third set. That's yeah. the third set. Yeah. Third set is three doctors, two of the Sidemen, and robots of death. Three yeah. sort of classic stories, yeah. Yeah. each in their own way. Middle set is um, Seeds of Death. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, when they first issued Seeds of Death, didn't really have any extra features mm. to speak of apart from the commentary, um, short documentary, but mm. not specific to the story necessarily, and they had accidentally vid-fired some of the wrong bits. All right. <laughs> so, the, I mean, the Seeds of Death revisitation is essentially to get a version of the story out that has the right bits. Yeah, yeah. Vid-fired. Maybe I'm mixing it up then. Which is the one with Caves of Androzani? That's in the first, first set. That's the, first that's, the, oh, that's the one I've got then. Yeah. All right. The second set also has Resurrection of the Daleks because there was always the thing uh, that it was first broadcast as two 45-minute episodes right. But the DVD was four twenty-five minutes because that's how it was made, mm-hmm. which went out in Australia, didn't it? Is it? Yeah, 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 and it yeah. went out in Britain later as well. So oh, I right. think there was a repeat, and they showed it as the four parts. But the, there was always this fan thing. But it was broadcast as two forty-five, so there should be a DVD that has the two forty-five. Mm. So the resurrection, nice documentary on there about the Fifth Doctor's period. Yeah, but again, it's one of those stories. Yeah, they have they revisited mm. it just so that they can get yeah. the two forty-fives yeah. on there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not. I personally, mm-hmm. myself, think it's nice that you can watch now the as broadcast version if yeah. you want to. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that, but you know, you just kind of you've got to be a little bit cynical about their reasons for wanting to put it. I out. know. I thought that there was um, oh the Davros box set. Mm-hmm. I was very cynical about because uh, obviously they'd already released a load, and then all of a sudden there's this extra disc. Yeah, I hate it when they do that. They brought mm-hmm. this extra disc you you can only get with the box set. Yeah. yeah. And you think hmm. I waited because I knew I th- I don't know if I actually knew or whether I had a suspicion. Mm. I'm not entirely sure, mm. but the stuff that was on that box set that dealt with the television stories as opposed to the audio stories mm-hmm. that hadn't been released on its own, I kind of knew that that was coming on a disc. But yeah. months later, and I was prepared to wait, so oh, I was yeah. happy to wait. Yeah, and I, it was quite a nice surprise actually because. Um, the story that they did revisit for that one was Remembrance. Right, yeah. yeah. And the one thing that was on the box set that I didn't think was going to be on Remembrance was the 60-minute Davros documentary. Right. And on the Remembrance cover, it doesn't mention it. Mm. Right. So I was thinking, I waited and I didn't get it. And then I opened the box and inside there's a second disc which has just the documentary on yeah. by itself. Right. So I don't know whether they changed mm. their mind over what they were planning to do, but it was there, so I was quite happy with that. Yeah. So when it comes to the DVD sort of collection of the, particularly the original ones, I'm kind of going back on where I went off on that tangent at the start, the extras for me are part of what makes them such a great buy. Well, the extras are insanely yeah, good. they're great. Mm. Do we have mm. favourite ones? Um, I, I like the season document. Well, I say season documentaries, era documentaries that mm-hmm. they do. Those are always great. Yeah. You know, the ones where they actually go in depth into a subject that's more than just a story. Mm. Um, I love the the comic strip ones. Is it strip crush? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. They're, that was, was a big thing. Mm. Being a failed comic artist. Doesn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> um, and yeah, conversely, no, I, obviously, being a failed author, <laughs> I quite like the um, ones where they do the authors, the yeah, on-target yes. ones. Yeah, I, I just the fact they, they they lay that much attention, mm. and uh, as we said before, the amount of love that goes into this thing. There are some great documentaries as well. There's, um, I watched one recently on, I think it's on Revenge of the Cybermen called Checks, Lies and Videotapes. Oh, yeah, that was a That's great one. That's very good, yeah. Talking about the early days of fans yeah. videoing the stories off the telly and, of course, the bootleg videos that used yes. to go around, the it pirate videos. BBC a long time to start re- commercially releasing Doctor yeah. Who episodes. And, of course, the release rate of Doctor Who has always been slow as yeah. compared with other series mm. because now they give all this extra attention. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get this amount of features for every story and this amount of attention to restoration for every episode on any other series than mm. Doctor Who. No, no. There's another really good one on, I think it's on the, the revisitation version of the TV movie. I think it's called The Seven Year Hitch. 
which again is yeah, a, that's right. A very good great. One. Yeah. yeah, even if you don't like the TV movie, you mm. cannot argue with that disc because yeah. they tell so many good stories in those extra features. Some of the Easter eggs are not that great. But... <laughs> well, often, yeah. The thing about the Easter eggs on the Doctor Who DVDs is they're not really Easter eggs in mm. as much as they're secret little gems. They're Easter eggs because they are things that they've put on for completists yeah. that aren't really worthy of having so their having own selection that. on the menu. I think the sock puppets are pretty good. No, there have been some good <laughs> Easter eggs, yes. Yeah. And there have been some proper Easter eggs. Yes. But oftentimes it's just things yeah. like a time counter yeah, or no, continuity yeah. and stuff. Yeah. They wanted to put on the disc, mm-hmm. but didn't really deserve a title on the no, extras no, menu no, in its no. own right. So they mm. just stick it on. I always, I, when I see those, um, when they show the titles... Without the credits over the top, I always think, oh, the kids on you, you spend too much time on YouTube are going to mm. love that. Yeah. <laughs> Putting yeah. their own credits over the yeah, top. Yeah, nice clean version to mess yeah. around with. Yeah, Doctor Who, Simon's Holiday by Simon <laughs> Brett. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> <Old> comic artist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we haven't talked about new series DVDs yet. No. no, no. Yeah. I mean, we all do. They were doing <clears> so <throat> well until the last couple of series, I thought. You mean with the extra features and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. The David Tennant years were were very good. Obviously, Mr. Tennant. I think, you know, there's a weird thing about it because the new series DVDs obviously will sell a lot more than the classic series yeah. ones. Yeah. And yet they seem to have less budget for extras. Yeah. 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 Or maybe it's just that the extras that they do pay for, they maybe have to pay a lot more for mm. rights and appearance fees and whatnot. I'll get this one out. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> the confidentials. Were. Cut down confidentials. That absolutely bugs me does it yeah really you see i can see the reason for doing it in what respect well size what to fit them on the disc well yeah because if you were going to put the full-length confidentials on yeah a you'd have all sorts of weird issues about use of music and stuff i know early on there there was to do with clearance wasn't there yeah Yeah. the old series and even if there wasn't that if you were to put the confidentials on these discs you would have essentially five discs of episodes and five discs of confidential mm. now these dvds aren't aimed at your hardcore fans they're aimed at people in the street who just enjoy watching doctor who mm. and who might like to sit down and watch a little bit of the background to the making of it but they aren't going to be that interested enough to watch nine hours of the making of a series well, let them have the vanilla vanilla edition you know so we get the the, the nice one that's got well everything maybe like. but to be honest, I mean, I if think... they're going to take the trouble to mix it in five point one sound, and they can't be bothered to put confidential on a few, I mean, I, I don't. And I'm also... being very naive about production costs <laughs> and what have you, but I don't see why they couldn't have released confidential in its own right. Also, but I think towards the run. end, confidential to me got a little bit samey. It just got the same kind of. I, I have to be fair and say I str- I've struggled with confidential a lot over mm. the years. Full mm. stop. Just because. You know, bless him, but there's only so many times I can watch Danny Hargreaves setting off an explosion. <laughs> yeah, there's only so many times. But the first I can... couple of series, it was you know you'd automatically switch over. To I watch suppose it. I'm just yeah. talking like a completist. It's just it's, it's just nice to be able with to get a completist gene in me says I'd like to have all the episodes of Confidential. Yeah, yeah. But then I recorded them all off on telly. I know. Off telly onto I've even got anyway, to- yeah. totally Doctor Who recorded. That's oh, how me that, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, God, so. sitting through <laughs> Kirsten O'Brien, please. <laughs> Sorry, Kirsten. Actually, you know the first <laughs> series of Totally with the Companion Academy, right? A friend of mine's son was one of the companions. I, do you know, I don't think I got the first series. I think I, I resisted oh, right. it, but I watched the second one mainly because the um, second series was a big improvement. Because had the Infinite Quest on it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. over the first. But and we've, I think it's just even... too much. I don't think. Would you ever go back and actually sit through, no. you know, five times nine hours of Doctor Who Confidential? I remember at the time when that was on TV thinking this is too much. You know, when you get you reach that point with series yeah. where they just, you, you feel like it's, yeah, exactly, saturation. So and I think the decision to put like the 10, 12, whatever it is, minute versions of Conf- Confidential on there, mm. DVDs is actually the right decision because you could sit down for three hours as long maybe, as they're, in bits. They're perhaps. keeping the, the fried gold and leaving the... <laughs> Well, exactly. Uh, the one thing I want to see in Confidential is the writer talking yes. about where his inspiration was yeah. and what the process he was to go to 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 go through to, you know, trans translate that into a story. Mm. Those mm. are the things I want to see. No, I mean, 
with films, I take a lot more notice of the director because a film will tend to be a director's vision. Yeah. Whereas on television, the director, you know, <laughs> not to denigrate the importance <laughs> of his job, but on television, the writer's more important than the director because there is only so much budget that a director can use that you are going to have to use, you know, a certain level of actor, a certain level of trick, a certain level of camera work and mm-hmm. all what have you. So with television, I'm far more interested in the writer. So I, as long as the confidential's got something of the writer in there. Yeah. And the actors, to be fair, just spend most of the time slapping each other's backs and saying how nice everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. They do. And Because the trouble with confidential, of course, is it, it, it suffers from electronic press kit syndrome. <laughs> if, I mean, if you don't know the term, the electronic press kit is the sort of 10 or 20 minute feature on a disc that American companies send out with new films to um, syndicated television shows that they can put on air in lieu of actually having interviews with the people who are in them. So they tend to be short snippets of interviews of all the main cast and crew. Mm -hmm. We're interspersed with uh, clips from the film. And that's an electronic press kit. It gets sent out so it can get shown because these small syndicated TV shows can't get the interviews. Mm. Well, Confidential does kind of suffer a little bit from that because it's a promotional exercise. Mm. You're not going to have people on Confidential that's filmed at the time the stories are being made saying what went wrong or how necessarily things might have been different. They're just going to be saying, oh, this is great. And that's fair enough. That's their job to do that. And you wouldn't expect anything else. But of course, what I'm saying, it doesn't necessarily make for great viewing. Mm-hmm. Earlier, I mentioned my poor, long-suffering wife who ends up having to watch old DVD on a previous podcast. Is she long-suffering because she has to watch old Doctor Who? No, or is she long-suffering because she's wife? Yeah, <laughs> Beat you to the punchline there. Yeah, one of the ones she doesn't understand, which I, I love, uh, is Lost in Time, where they've got together the... Remaining episodes. The orphaned the episodes, they call them. Yeah. The yeah. ones that the single surviving or sometimes two surviving episodes from a story, the rest of which is missing. And I love that set just because it gives me a chance to see Bits Hartnell of and Troughton, yeah. you know, that I wouldn't normally get to see. And I, I really like that set. Mm. And I do think as well, there's a opportunity there to experience enough of the story mm. that you can get a good enough picture of what that story was yeah yep Yep. because there was such a lot of variety especially in the Hartnell years yeah uh that you know to have the opportunity to experience you know that much of the Hartnell Hmm. you know because uh you know you might have from one week to the next something like the crusade and the space museum and the chase and just to get a little hint of the crusade and how much different it was from those two other stories Mm. That's one I think you're looking forward to if they do ever do a. Well, if they do animate more, The Crusade would definitely be my number one choice. Yeah. The Target book's great. Well, yeah. David Whittaker. In fact, I. I, No. I I bought a copy of the original uh, Armada paperback from 1965 or 6 on eBay the other day. Really? Yeah, I just. I mean, I've got the Target version. And I've got the reissued Target version with the introduction by whoever it was. Mm-hmm. So I had no reason to buy it whatsoever. But it's just... Well, seeing as you've now got your MP3 player, you can also get the version read by William Russell. I was going to say, I've heard a mm. little bit of the Daleks this week. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Really great. See, I'm not sure that's something I could ever, but then I probably will, so I'll just shut up. I quite like those because I talked to someone the other day on Facebook and I think I like to, um, if I'm going to go for an audio book of the Target ones, I like to go for the ones that aren't, in existence. Uh, you can't, so yeah, yeah. The... Of course, the other thing with the William Russell ones is, uh, particularly the Daleks, it's written in first person. Yes. Which makes perfect sense, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So. Oh, yeah, I love that. And yeah, they, yeah and with him, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You know, um, speaking of William Russell, he, uh, somebody I know on the internet the other day, and this is not a spoiler because it was just, this is what he'd like to see. Mm. But it was just such a lovely idea. I'll say it here. And I think it was a guy called Simon Hart who said mm-hmm. it. And it, he was talking about the new companion yes. in the new series, um, Jenna Louise Coleman. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about who she might be mm. and whether she has some kind of significance beyond just being the new companion and all and everything. Yeah. He said, wouldn't it be lovely 
if she was actually Ian and Barbara's granddaughter. And then you could have William Russell back as the Wilfred Mock character. Brilliant. Brilliant. I just thought that was such a nice idea. Obviously, you know, this is just the guy fantasizing. Yeah, yeah, it's obviously off the top of his head, but I I think that's great. That's a lovely idea, the the, the dynamics you get. I mean, if Stephen Moffat's listening, we'll put our pitchforks away (laughs) if you will do this. Yeah. And if Big Finish are listening, obviously the TV series isn't doing it, so, you know, the opportunity's there. (laughs) (laughs) I had one idea. It was a weird one. Just changing subject completely, going to Big Finish. Mm, This idea they did of um, a companion uh, who is with a one incarnation of the Doctor and then leaving that incarnation and then going to an earlier incarnation. Yeah. Yeah. I had that idea about a month before it came out in public. Yeah. I was gutted. You're not that same guy that's suing the BBC over the design of Davros. Davros, yeah. The thing about that is you can only do that with Big Finish because in the TV series you could never have done that. It's a lovely idea, though. Although I suppose actually, thinking about it now, that is what they've done with River Song, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Sarah Jane to a smaller extent. Well, no, Sarah Jane... uh, come back to afterwards there's linear in the right order yeah. in time yeah no right, river yeah. songs in the reverse yeah, yeah. order in time david tennant and mm. then later for him yeah earlier for her matt smith timey wimey yeah so yeah. yeah so yeah they have done that on mm. tv actually mm. yeah but obviously um doing that on tv comes with a certain amount of pre-planning yeah. That yeah. that's what you're going to do. Whereas in Big Finish, you can just do it for the sheer hell of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, yeah. Big Finish doing all the Doctors at once. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anything else, DVDs, we've not really touched upon? I Well, it's nice to see I'm a blue Blu-ray fan. Me too. Right, okay. So it's nice to see the new series. All pristine and lovely. Mm. It does look stunning. They do look great. I mean... We mentioned they perhaps don't have quite so many extras as the the classic series ones, but they do obviously do a very good job of making sure they look as good as possible. You know, now there's no more confidential. What Mm. do you think they'll do for the DVD and Blu-ray in place of a sort of making of document? I mean, there's a certain amount of web content, presumably, that they'll be able to put on there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think I've heard somewhere that they're going to keep confidential as some kind of web I was going to say, yeah. Based thing, An perhaps on a much smaller scale, maybe like little 10-minute clips and things. Might work better like that, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think so. I think my suggestion when Confidential got axed mm. was that it would have been better as like a 15-minute thing on BBC4, actually, instead of yeah. going on BBC3 and trying to appeal to the sort of younger because, persons. Yeah, because one thing that came across when there was the whole campaign of trying to stop count confidential getting axed or bringing it back or whatever mm. it was it was a heck of there was a real uproar from uh students and what have you who wanted to get into the business yeah and a lot mm. of them said that watching the confidential actually you know acted as a catalyst for them yeah. to actually get want to do that yeah, yeah mm. exactly that's true yeah but uh, since we're doing DVDs more specifically, yeah. because my theory is that as we move more towards a download world anyway, mm. I think that's perhaps one of the reasons why their extras are beginning to thin out. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying earlier, mm. is that there's less concentration on that. Mm. And... Which is a shame in one respect. Oh, it is a shame. I mean, what I think is, I see a situation, uh, not in the immediate future, but in the eventual future, where more people will be downloading it, but they will still be putting out DVDs and Blu-rays for the people mm. who want it, but they'll be so secondary yeah. that you might have a couple of commentaries and a few bits and pieces I, of extras. I think I read an article about, you know, they were saying about what's going to happen to the DVD range, the classic DVD range, mm. and somebody uh, asked the question about whether they would end up going on Blu-ray. Uh, and obviously they said there's no point because the quality is just be lost be exactly the same um and then the, the question came up about capacity that you could fit more episodes onto a blu-ray disc and the but, guy would have said yeah and they said as, exactly what you said which is that with the download yeah people were going to want to download it rather yeah. than who's gonna yeah. you'd have to remaster spend a lot of money remastering everything for blu-ray yep Exactly the same as it is on the DVDs, but you know, with less discs. Yeah, at exactly look... the same time as people stop buying Blu-rays for that. Great. Have you seen the next? I want the Web Planet in five point one. <laughs> in three D. Yeah. I tell you what, Mark. Amazing. What you should do is you should get Martin five DVD players, 
and five copies of the web planet and just start them all at a slight fraction out from each other and you'll be able to hear it all the way around yourself <laughs> that's an idea yeah Might just do so, that. so is that what what, what we think is going to happen do you think they're going to keep I mean, I, I hope they're going to keep the DVD range current. They're not going to go out of print. Well, the thing is, they still make vinyl records now. Yeah. Of, you know, actually quite a few things they still make vinyl records of for the collector's market. Only, only in as much as it's taken me a while to get the DVDs purely through. I think probably well, as a commercial still, thing, it's something that the yeah. BBC... I can't see them wanting to sort of take them out of circulation. They've, deleted, they've only deleled the ones that they. And hey, if there's any titles you've missed, it's always going to be eBay. If they do become, it's not worth buying on eBay because they go for stupid money. Well, they the go DVDs. for more money on eBay second hand than they they're, they are, they're new on other yeah. on other. Well, new website. released ones, but you can get old some of the older stories for just a couple of quid on eBay. If you're lucky, yeah, really. But sometimes they just people just keep bidding on them. To oh, the wow. point where they're more expensive than they are brand new. I don't know because on I'm one of those. I other well-known Doctor Who is the one thing I always buy as it's released, so I don't oh, know right. about this. So. I used to be that way, but I've become a bit more mercenary now. Well, I still not just when you about can get managed for a third to keep of the price. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But uh... the thing about buying on the internet now, anyway, is the prices of the prices that you actually pay, as opposed to the recommended retail price. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, I the Ace Adventures recently. Amazon did it for 15 quid and it had a recommended retail price of just over 30, I think. Yeah. yeah. They did it for half price mm. on There's a reason for release. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Cheeky. Oh, and there was one other thing I was going to say and mm. I was about to say it and then it's completely gone out of my head. So Sorry. I'm not going to say it now unless I can think of it in the next minute or so. Well, we were talking about whether the DVD is going to stay in print. Yeah, no, I was... Um, you know, there's something else I was going to bring up, and this sounds totally unprofessional of me just to stand sit here. And... <laughs> we'll edit it in later. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> probably wasn't important. And uh, if I do remember it, I'll probably just bring it up in an earlier podcast. <laughs> so what well, we're basically saying, to entertain, keep doing what you're doing. We're yeah. Very, we're very happy. Well, we're only a year away from the end of the classic mm. series now anyway, mm, yeah. which is quite an achievement. I mean, when they first started putting the discs out, they were putting out like five, six a year. Mm. And it looked like if they were going to get through all of them. Mm. When they when they very first started releasing Doctor Who on DVD, they said, we're not going to release the whole series. We're just going to release the classic titles as a kind of adjunct to the VHS range. Mm. And, you know, your favorite stories you'll also be able to buy on DVD. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point, Time Lash was never going to be on DVD. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, to pick a random example. Yeah, yeah. I've still yet to buy that, but I will buy it just purely yeah. out of curiosity. I yeah. think. But I mean, it was when the TV series came back, yeah, or when it was announced. Actually, that's when they began stepping it up. Mm. And so now we're at the point where, yes, we are a year away from having the whole series on DVD. I don't know other series like the Avengers and Star Trek and whatever yeah. else have put them all out years ago, and mm. you know they're now on you know, their own version of revisited versions themselves. But those are so much more finite and so much easier Mm. to put out as seasons. Mm. Doctor Who has got, you know, the classic series has got 26 years worth of episodes. I think if there's anyone out there who's a new Who fan that hasn't really experienced the classic series, I think it's a great way of getting into it and just dipping your toe in the water and, and trying one. You could, and to be fair... You know, we could do a whole episode on recommending which one you should get. Mm. But to be honest, get any story because yeah. there's something fundamentally, worth on every yeah, disc. There's something, yes. yeah, yeah, and fundamentally, there is a certain level of competence and quality mm. that even the worst stories aren't so bad that they're ridiculously bad. And even the best stories aren't so well made that they look like they're a completely different series. There is a certain level of expertise mm. in just about every story, let's even, be honest. Even some of the wobblier ones still have stuff to like about them. And also... They can be fun yeah, because of the wobbliness. Yeah. And also the extras uh, Yes, that's what I was coming well, to. Yeah. I was going to say, but you could buy any story and you'll still get extras that make it worth having. Mm. Yeah. Mm. For me, particularly the ones I know really well, the first thing I do is go straight onto the extras as soon as I get a new disc. That's what I'm interested in, and I'll go back and rewatch. But I suppose if you, we are going to recommend one 
just one thing Revisitations Ooh, 1 be. with Caves of Androzani Talons of Wang Chang and the mm. TV movie if you're totally new to, to Classic Who that's pretty decent recommendation for the first one yeah, yeah. Well, as I say that's still sitting in its cellophane on my shelf so but brilliant extras on that set as well so. oh good 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 which one's the TV movie on? Is that the second? No, the first one. The first one. It's yeah. with Caves oh, yeah. and Talons. And Talons. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I think one of mine would probably be, just because I love the story so much, uh, Horror of Fang Rock. I think that's a great one to get. Great story. I think if there's an issue with the uh, bit rate on that, to be honest. Mm. That makes watching it on modern tellies perhaps not as decent an experience as it might be. I don't know if I'm imagine this or if it's mm. true, but I think they changed the way they produced the DVDs at some point, and mm. most of the ones from prior to that have been revisited. Right, but there's a, still a handful of stories, maybe with slightly lower bit rates. I mm. could be wrong. All right. Oh well. But I get the impression that Horror Fang Rocket is probably one of those. If I'm right. Well, I watched it not that long ago, and I, I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it's a good story. Yeah. I don't think it's classic. Well, that's a conversation for another time. Well, if you're going to aim for any box set, which is actually out there at a reasonable price, is the beginning. Yeah. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Mm. True, but I think 13 episodes of black and white concentrating <laughs> purely on the beginning. Oh, well. I know like, if we're talking for casuals, yes. for casual people, oh, no, that might be a bit too much to chew all no. in one go. Do you think? Yeah, I do. Well, it's so cheap now. That it's worth buying purely to see an unearthly child, I think. But that's me. Oh, you could be right. First Dalek story as well, just to see how it all starts. Even if you just dipped in and out of it. And there's some good extras on there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, great documentaries. Yeah, but I, I think one of the revisitation sets, either one or three, yeah. for the, yeah. just for the variety. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. You get a bit, of, bit of everything there, don't you? Right, I think we should knock this on the head now, then. I think we've bored these poor people enough. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. If they want to get in touch, we've got a few different ways of... Well, look for Blue Box Podcast. We've got a Facebook page. Go on Facebook and just type in Blue Box Podcast or yeah. email us if you want to say something about how rubbish we are and how much we've bored you. <laughs> at uh, Blue Box. I bought the beginning box set and it was rubbish. <laughs> I bought Horror of Fang Rock <laughs> when I could have bought Revisitations. <laughs> I stand by my recommendation. Uh, where our email address is blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. And if you want to find me on Twitter, jr underscore southall, just tweet at me. Yeah. But most be people, nice. Most people do. <laughs> <laughs> They're not so nice. <laughs> right. I was, I was JR. I was Simon. And I was Mark. And this was the Blue Box Podcast brought to you by StarburstMagazine.com. Good night. Oh.